this is a nice little sacred grove I found here. And what's this? A healing pool of water. <sighs> Nick, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm just soaking in this nice healing pool. Why are you in the healing pool? What's wrong with you? Oh, yesterday I got my arm bitten off by a wolf. A wolf? A giant wolf. A giant wolf and a sacred healing pool. Hey, you know what this reminds me of? The 1997 film, Princess Mononoke, directed by Hayao Miyazaki. Have you ever seen it? No. No. to the TNM podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. My name is Corey. I'm Nick. Uh, he's the titular Nick of the TNM podcast. TNM stands for Teach Nick Movies. Uh, this is a podcast idea that we both had. Nick, can you explain the, the conception of this podcast? Well, sure. I mean, well, Corey and I spent a lot of time out in the uh, working together this last summer, and we spent a lot of time driving, and we, we ended up talking a lot about movies. And yeah, so naturally... Whenever I'm so, have you ever heard of the Godwin's law? No. So Godwin's law is that if a discussion or a debate uh, continues long enough, eventually it'll turn to Nazis. So, <laughs> so I, it's basically Corey's law of discussions, where if I talk about anything long enough, I get to movies because I I'm just a movie nerd for for whatever reason. Um, and so you and I would talk a lot about movies. We spent a lot of time just driving around Idaho this summer. Yeah. And. We quickly discovered that you don't know you like movies. You're a fan of movies. Well, that's the thing is I'm I'm a music buff. I'm really into music. I like listening to bands. I like checking out new bands from all over the world and new styles of music and all that. I've never really been into the movie thing. Um, right, a little bit. But, but you like bit. movies. You like I movies. I like movies. Yeah. yeah. So um, and and Corey's Corey's a yeah. So a movie what we, enthusiast. What we um, discovered was that I know a lot about movies. I like sharing my knowledge about movies. Uh, and we got the idea for this podcast where uh, it the, the Teach Nick Movies podcast where every week I'll assign him or month whatever Fortnite whatever we decide to do. We're both very busy. Um, <laughs> we I'll assign him a seminal film where he should have seen it by now, but he hasn't. And through the process of this podcast, we'll hopefully teach Nick movies. We'll teach him about movies. Um, hopefully, we'll have a discussion about these films. He'll start to recognize directors. He'll start to recognize actors um, and uh, themes and, and all that kind of highfalutin stuff that uh, you didn't before. So uh, here's a little bit of trivia for this podcast. We actually already, already recorded a pilot episode, an initial episode that was a huge fiasco. Uh, <laughs> we, we are not it professional podcasters. by technical difficulties. Difficulties, and yeah. And it was just, it was no good. Um, and uh, so that, that first episode was on uh, Mad Max Fury Road, um, a, a film that you did not like, famously. And, but... So you didn't like it. Uh, as we were discussing it, you, you missed a lot of details in the plot. And, <laughs> and, and, and I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, that's weird. Uh, only to find out later that you, you watched this big screen spectacle of, uh, of masterful filmmaking uh, on an old iPhone. <laughs> so, yeah, the internet was out so, in my house. And so I literally had the only way I could watch it was like on my phone. I was so mad. I, um, I told this to a friend of mine last night. I was telling him about the podcast, and I, I told him about this disastrous first episode. 
And uh, I told him about you watching Fury Road on your phone, and his his actual quote was, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> that was your reaction. So well, that was mine as well, but it's just the way it played out. Yeah. So so we we're ditching Fury Road for now. We may return to it because I, I think that that deserves a, a serious look uh, at some point. So today's episode, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss uh, the uh, 1997 Studio Ghibli film Princess Mononoke, which is a favorite animated film of mine. But before we get to that, have you, Nick, been watching any movies recently? Hmm. Um. Trying to think. Well, we saw a movie together. Do you want to discuss we that? We did. I was just going to say, do you want to talk about... Well, um, no, you, please go ahead. So why don't, why don't I start? Because mine leads into yours. So okay. recently, so uh, what, what's been happening recently is uh, Paddington 2 has been released. Mm. And Paddington 2 has been basically called a perfect film. Uh, it's the first film with over 160 reviews, all positive on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it's apparently amazing. And I saw the original when it came out. Um, it, those of you not familiar with Paddington, this is a, a British bear from, well, he's Peruvian, and he moves to London, and he loves marmalade sandwiches. And that's basically the extent of his uh, oeuvre. <laughs> well, he's, he's also very clumsy. But So this movie, it came out a few years ago, and it's extremely charming. I love this movie very much. And when I saw that Paddington 2 was coming out, and that was basically the perfect film, I figured I should go back and rewatch the first Paddington. It still holds up. It's still great. Anyone who hasn't seen it, even if you think, oh, it's a kid's movie, it's just about a, ba- a bear eating marmalade sandwiches, please go see it. It's it's fantastic. And I have a, uh, a crush on both of the female leads in that movie, Sally Hawkins, who plays the, uh, the mom of the family, the adoptive family of uh, Paddington, but also uh, Nicole Kidman, who I love her. Who can argue with that? Right. Um, and so... Uh, we watched that movie, or I watched that movie, and then we went to see another film that stars Sally Hawkins, if you want to take it away from there. Yeah, uh, a little group of us went and saw The Shape of Water, mm-hmm. and that was probably... Um, Shape of Water, which is currently leading the... Well, it's always going to be leading. There's not, not going to announce any more nomination, but it's leading the Oscar nominations of films this year for the Oscars. Huh. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. With 13, I believe. Yeah. So more than any other film this year, 13 nominations, including Sally Hawkins for Best Actress, I believe. Interesting. And, and I, I 100% agree with that. And that was you, another... You didn't like that movie. I was going to say, that was another movie where I, I, I feel like there is some... I, I got to defend myself a little bit. Um, I thought she did great. And I, I think I... And, and I guess we'll dissect the movie here a little bit. Um I thought she was wonderful, and I thought it was one of the best acting performances I've seen in a long time. Yeah, and I should. Yeah, she was nominated for Best Actress for Shape of Water. And so I will say that I, th- I think the acting in that movie was spectacular. I mean, even um, what's his name, the um, bad guy, uh, Michael Shannon. He was great. I mean, like you hated yeah. him. Like he is. He is such a bad guy, yeah. and like he, he. It's such good acting. Um, but I. I overall I just kind of I thought I found it very predictable and I don't know somewhat just kind of 
I don't know. You, you could predict I, where that that, I, I, that Fishman story went. I predicted where the Fishman story was going. Yeah, the Fishman and, and love it, story, and it laid and it played out exactly it how I thought the, it would. It laid those plot eggs. I knew, yes, you it could. did. <laughs> and and everything was aligning, and you I was like, see. okay, clearly it's going to come down to one scene where yeah. everything goes down, and that's exactly what happened. The, and the I was movie, so disappointed. The, I was like, what? The movie with the... its gross cloaca was laid little plot eggs down <laughs> for you to follow. Um, well, that's what happens when you're a biologist and yeah. you think about this stuff. Um, uh, yeah, Shape of Water is written and directed by. Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, who also did the Hellboy movies. And the Hellboy movies also feature a fish man who eats eggs, uh, played by Doug Jones. Overlap? There's overlap, yeah. So so Doug Jones plays the fish man in Shape of Water. And so myself, along with a lot of other nerds, were confused when this first movie was announced of, is this a prequel to Hellboy in some mm. ways? Does he play Abe Sapien? But um, spoilers, it's not. Uh but so so yeah, Doug Jones did a really great job yeah. as the fishman in the shape of water. Um, he was fantastic. Uh, that whole suit that was actually a that was actually makeup. It wasn't CG. Uh, it was an so the only thing that was CG on the fishman was his eyes. Oh, the gills. Everything else was practical, which was actually really interesting to see. That's yeah. That yeah. was a crazy good job. Yeah. So so anyway, yeah, I I really enjoyed uh, Shape of Water. Um, I enjoyed Sally Hawkins in it, not just because I have a crush on her, but because she was really good. Um, Richard Jenkins was amazing. He plays the actor. Uh, the the actor. He plays the um, the neighbor. The oh old, yeah. The old neighbor man. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was great in that. He was great. Michael Shannon was great. Uh, everyone was great in it. Um, I agree. So I so I would recommend before the the Oscars uh, come. I would say if anyone can can get out to the theater to see Shape of Water, that would be great. Uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Like me. Right. Something else we'd, we'd like to do with each episode is just discuss a piece of news. So I, every episode, I'll assign you uh, as a gumshoe to go out there and find a bit of film news, again, to, to increase your, your, your knowledge of film and what's happening in film these days. So uh, you read a news story this morning. Uh, would you like to debrief me on it? I, I did, yeah. Um, uh, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder, yes. Um, you previously <laughs> called him Jake, Jake Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jake Snyder, a.k.a. Zack Snyder. Yes. Uh, there's some drama going on, it sounds like. Yeah, with, um, uh, with, with, with Justice League, Justice right? League, yeah. and um, I didn't know his wife as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Um, what, what about his wife? Doesn't she play in it as well? Does she? I don't know. I, don't, I didn't read the story. You did. I, I thought that's what it said, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I I'm think she's a producer or a writer on this. She's, she's not a writer, but, but a producer maybe. I don't know. Could be. There's some drama going on where you know, and who knows what's really going on. I'm sure we'll find out. But anyway, he says that he quit. Well, so, so then, let's, let's let's lay out the groundwork for anyone who's not familiar. So uh, Justice League, the follow-up to the horrible film Batman v Superman, right? Dawn of Justice. Uh, Justice League, uh, again, had Jake slash Zack Snyder as the writer-director, and partway through filming, he had to step aside for personal reasons. They brought on Joss Whedon, famously from um, the Avengers movies, Mm. to finish the filming. The movie came out, and it was, oh, God, it was a mess. Uh, You didn't see it, right? I I went and saw it in theaters, and it was just, it was terrible. Um, and uh, you can tell that it was a mishmash from two different directors. I don't think it would have been saved if if uh, Jake Snyder had directed the whole thing. Um, but uh, but anyway, so it, it started off all these 
people clamoring online wanting the Zack Snyder version of the film released, uh, where it gets rid of all of Joss Whedon's stuff, and it's the director's version, his original vision. Um, but yeah, so what did what did this news story deal with? It was just talking about how um, he says that he decided to leave, and then they're saying that he actually got fired. Mm. So there's some drama going on the there. The plot thickens. Um, the plot thickens. So I'm not sure what really happened. Who mm. knows? Um, and what does the future hold? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We're going to see. But Justice League, um, you and I went and saw... Um, which one? Um <laughs> can't remember. We see a lot of movies. Yeah, we see a lot of movies. I thought we saw the... Anyway, um, at this describe, point... Describe the film that you're seeing in your head that we saw together. It was... Oh, Wonder Woman. It was... No, we saw Wonder Woman. Did, was he involved in Wonder Woman as well? Uh, just that it's a DC film, but no, I don't think he was. I the thought DC we saw um, the one with um, Batman and um, Superman. No, we didn't see that together. Oh, maybe That I came it. out when I was in Panama. Oh, maybe I saw that on my yeah. own. Anyway, yeah. um, I kind of a thumbs down. Oh like, yeah, it was yeah big thumbs down. And so this is going to be interesting to see um, what happens here. For, for what, I, if he stays out of the DC cinematic universe, I'll be I'll be happy. Yeah, um, okay. I think yeah he he had a couple of great films at the beginning. Three hundred, you know, it's not perfect, but it's it's, oh. it's great. His first film, um, Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Oh, that's a great film. Um, but and and the Watchmen, uh, the the Watchmen film, it's great because he, it was all straight out of the comic. There, the graphic novel. Uh, he used the graphic novel as a literal storyboard, and so a lot of the frames are exact compositions of the frames in the comic book. And so and so he was working off a brilliant piece of work to make his film, and, and that really translated really well. But, but everything else, like all of the superhero films have been just terrible. Personally, I, I find that. So if he if he stays away from the DC Cinematic Universe, maybe they can rebuild, but I yeah, don't know. Yeah, it's kind of starting. It's, from that article, it sounds like he is, um, there's some things going down that he might not be able to recover from. And he's yeah. also going through some personal things. Yes, he is. It sounds like. So. so we wish him well, but stay away from... Stay away from my superhero films. <laughs> Hashtag not my director. So with that, why don't we get into a discussion of today's uh, feature film. That's <clears throat> Princess Mononoke, 1997 from Studio Ghibli. Now, the fate of the world rests on the courage of one fearless princess. I'm not afraid to die, and I would do anything to get the humans out of here. And one brave warrior. You fight like a demon, boy. Like something possessed. What exactly are you here for? To see with eyes unclouded by hate. Now watch closely, everyone. I'm going to show you how to kill a god. Fire! I chose this film for two reasons. Uh, one, it's good introduction for you into Studio Ghibli movies, mm. um, which I think if you're going to get into film, you should you should be versed in those films as well because there's some real masterpieces there. But it's good because both you and I are biologists, and this is a movie that I think speaks to biologists or conservationists or environmentalists uh, very strongly. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a movie that was written and directed by Hay- Hayao 
Hayao Miyazaki, um, who's been called one of the greatest uh, animation directors of all time. Hmm. So uh, just some background. He founded Studio Ghibli in 1985, and uh, he himself has produced uh, a lot of the well-known and most successful animated films out of this production company, um, such as My Neighbor Totoro, Hell's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, which the the latter one was the highest grossing uh, film in Japan of all time. A lot of his movies draw on his personal experiences growing up, and they also deal with the themes of uh, the interactions of humans and nature and humans and technology and interpersonal relationships. And he, uh, almost uniquely for uh, an animated director, he personally oversees the animation in his films. So with Princess Mononoke, there was 144,000 cells of animation. Um, like hand-drawn animation, each cell, and he personally oversaw each, every one of them. And it's estimated that he personally redrew 80,000 of them. So over half of them, he redrew himself. So that's almost unheard of for an animation director. This movie in particular, you know, I, I love this movie since high school. I am um, when, well, growing up, back in my day, growing up in rural Ontario, um, we had three channels growing up. And then sometimes we'd get uh, an American channel but that was pretty rare. And in high school, we got Satellite, and that came with the movie channels. And that, so this is really kind of where my love of movies came out is because I would just plant myself on the couch and watch movie after movie after movie. And one day, uh, this, this movie, Princess Mononoke, came on. I don't think I had really ever seen any kind of anime before, um, and it just really hit me in the spot of, of oh my god, there's giant animals and, uh, and, and conflicts between humans and nature, and mm-hmm. I, I love this uh, in a, at a personal level. Mm-hmm. It was totally my jam. This movie's been on many best films of all time list, best animated films of all time list. Uh, and as I said previously, this touches on these common themes with uh, Miyazaki, where it's about environmentalism. But there's also themes about disability and gender inequality. Uh, and it's got a great cast. So we have uh, Billy Crudup, Claire Danes, Billy Bob Thornton, Gillian Anderson, Jada Pinkett Smith, Minnie Driver, and some really well-known uh, English voice actors as well. John DiMaggio. Maybe you can interface with my ass by biting it. Keith David, Tress McNeil. Tara Strong, Pamela Adlon. So obviously this is the English dub that you and I watched, not not the Japanese version. Um, So just in in a very brief sense, can you just sum up what the plot of this film is before we do a deep dive? Yeah, it was basically like like we were just talking about. It's a conflict of human nature interaction. That's, That's the overlying theme. Um, there's some. There's a lot of interpersonal issues going on as well, but the overlying theme is humans' relationship with nature, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it, there's much more in there. But that's that's the <laughs> no, no. That's that's it. That's this is about ten minutes long. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So. Uh, before we do, we do a, a deep dive, um, this is a spoiler warning warning for the film. Um, we will just basically go through the entire plot. If you haven't seen it, press pause on your machine right now, your podcast machine. Go watch it. Go watch it, uh, and then and then press play on your podcast machine again. Off the top of your head, where where can people find it? Uh, Good providers like iTunes and Netflix, and <laughs> it's not on Netflix, but uh, should be. Yeah, so. I wink, wink. Got it on iTunes for three ninety nine. Yeah, that's where it came from. That's where we got it. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but also, <laughs> I would like to say before we dive into this. Yeah, I I liked this movie. Yeah, okay. I, I really did. I I didn't. I and you watched it on an iPod, right? <laughs> 
An iPod card. Yeah, I moved it up to an iPad. <laughs> yeah. I watched it on an iPad. No, I watched it on my on my TV. Yeah. Um, but so a quick question: Are all of his movies this similar style, like anime style? Yep. Or? Okay. Yep. They're all they're all very much like that. Okay. Um, all gorgeous. Uh, maybe in a, in a little while we can we can dive into another one like Spirited Away mm. or um, My Neighbor Totoro. Um, some really great ones that I think you'd enjoy well, as well as if you like this one. So this movie opens with uh, our our hero Ashitaka. Um, there's a uh, a demon pig. So so uh, something in this film is that this takes place in um, ancient Japan, mm-hmm. where there are still gods of the forest, and these mm-hmm. gods are um, they have these avatars that are giant animals that can talk, uh, and so one of these gods. Uh, Naga, I believe is his name. Naga. Uh, he's a giant boar, uh, and he is rampaging towards Ashitaka's village. Um, and uh, he is covered in what looks like uh, snakes and worms mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, and, and, and you know something's, something's wrong with him. So Ashitaka confronts Naga. Naga. Uh, and it's, it's really an amazing opening scene because... It shows off what I think is a really amazing sound design in this film. So I don't know if you noticed, but there's there's times in this opening action sequence where there's no sound whatsoever. It's completely quiet, which is kind of ballsy for the first uh, scene of a film hmm. um, where it's just completely quiet. Like it builds up the tension where they're hmm. waiting for this pig to, to emar- uh, emerge from the, the forest. Jason, did you see it too? I did. It isn't human. The wise woman's calling everybody back to the village. There, look. And the animation is really great, especially with these snake things that are covering Naga. Naga. Um, that was actually done. So the the film is largely hand animated, but these uh, these snakes that that represent this corruption that corrupts some of these animals, um, that was done with uh, computer imagery that was overlaid over top of the hand animation. Mm. But it doesn't look like commu- uh, computer imagery. Yeah. Interesting. And, and the scene tells us basically everything we need to know about Ashitaka. He's he's fearless. He's heroic. He's he's, he's young. He's very young, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, I he, like to point that out. He's he's very good. He's an expert in marksman because he he basically bullseyes this pig right in the eye or something. Yeah, yeah. And he just yeah lays him out. And he has a lot of respect for the, these forest gods as well. It's also one of the first scenes of many in the film where Ashitaka yells at a, at a character. I don't know if you noticed this, but a lot of the, the the scenes of the movie are Ashitaka yelling instructions at something. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I did. Call me a fury, almighty lord, whatever you may be, god or demon, please leave us in peace. Which, yeah, anyway, but uh, so Ashitaka slays this demon. And uh, in the process, in the process, he gets his arm corrupted. So this corruption spreads to his arm. The the, the town gathers and um, they find that uh, a lead ball was in was in Naga. Naga. And the the this lead ball was which led to the corruption. And so Ashitaka is told by the wise woman of the village that uh, if he were to venture west, he might be able to find out what is causing this corruption and may be able to save himself because he has this corruption now too. Um, but he can never return. I don't know why. Uh, he can never return, so he cuts his hair and he heads yeah. out. Yeah. Um, By the way, there was a lot of things in that, in this movie where yeah. I was like, I don't understand why. Right. Like, I'm not understanding. And it might be a cultural thing. Like it's, could be a cultural thing. 
Yes. Also, on a side note, I loved watching this movie because I found myself laughing so many times really? during this movie because yeah. of just the funniest things. Like, like the fact that when they shoot somebody with a bow and arrow, their head just flies off. Yeah, yeah. Every so, time so I was a, laughing so yeah, hard. So, so something that happens is 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 this corruption actually gives Ashitaka's arm super strength, and when he draws his bow, there are multiple times where just like he will just take the arms off people <laughs> because he fires his bow with such force. Um, yeah, it's, it's great, and also the dialogue um, in this film. There was are some really hilarious. funny. There's some very funny stuff. In I it. was. So just, it's a very serious film and some really somber moments, but there's actually some very funny things in it as oh, well. Oh man, I was I was laughing. Anyway, continue. So so this uh, this starts uh, an animation sequence of of Ashitaka traveling through the the countryside, and this really shows off the great animation in the film, where you know a lot of the 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 landscapes in this. This movie looked like watercolors. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really amazing animation, um, the quality of which, yeah, it, it looks like watercolor paintings a lot of the time. And so as he's traveling, Ashitaka comes across uh, one of the main conflicts of the film. There's these marauding samurai who work for um, a local uh, warlord, I believe, um, and they are massacring a village. And this is where he discovers that he has super strength because he takes the the, the arms off a couple of people with uh, his his super awesome arm. And after this, he meets a traveling monk named Jigo, who's mm-hmm. voiced by Billy Bob Thornton. I should also say that Ashitaka is uh, voiced by Billy Crudup. And so he, meet, he meets Jigo, uh, who we later find out has ulterior motives. But, right. But yeah. He's a very likable guy on the surface. He is. He's, he's very funny, um, very down to earth. And he is the one who tells Ashitaka where this lump of iron is likely from, which is uh, Iron Town. So Ashitaka um, continues on uh, after meeting Jigo and, and comes across Lady Eboshi, who is the, the leader of Iron Town. Um, she's leading an ox train on the side of a mountain, and they're on these switchbacks, and they're being attacked by, I should also say, Lady Eboshi is voiced, voiced by Minnie Driver, and, and she's a badass in this film. Um, they're being attacked by giant wolves, including uh, Moro, who's the, the wolf god, who's voiced by Gillian Anderson. Uh, Fred, do you know Gillian Anderson? No. Uh, X Files. Okay. Yeah. Scully. Yep. Okay. Um, yep. And and so this this sh- uh, scene really kind of shows up uh, off how much of a badass uh, Lady Eboshi is mm-hmm. in this film because uh, she's you know they're being attacked by these giant wolves and she's standing on her ground and she's um, she actually shoots Moro I believe uh, she's actually able to to shoot her. Um, there's a lot that happens in this scene. So mm-hmm. uh, the wolves knock off a few people off the side of the mountain. Um, and Eboshi decides to, to let them, uh, to leave them. She says, We move out now. But what about the men she pushed over the cliff? They're dead. Let's get the living home. In the scene, we also meet Princess Mononoke. Princess Mononoke? Princess of the spirits of ghouls, beasts, and ancient gods. The wolf stole her soul, and now she lives to kill me. The, the titular character, who's, who's uh, also referred to as San, and she's voiced by Claire Danes, uh, who is, uh, she's, so she's a human that's raised by wolves. Right. And so she doesn't think of herself as human. She thinks of herself as a wolf. And I should, a little aside, my Claire Danes story. Do you, are you familiar with Claire Danes? I don't think so. So in 2007, uh, my friend and I joined up with international student volunteers, and we we spent a month in New Zealand, but we uh, traveled uh, from Toronto to LA where we met up with other volunteers and then from LA down to New Zealand. But on the flight from Toronto to LA, my friend and I were uh, boarding the plane 
and uh, she was in front of me. And we were sitting there in first class. It was taking forever. Everyone was putting their bags up and stuff. And uh, there's this uh, blonde woman sitting in first class. And my friend turns around and says, that's Claire Danes. And I go, who's Claire Danes? <laughs> because I, be I didn't me. know. Yeah, I didn't know who she was. Uh, she was uh, in Shakespeare in Love, which won Best Picture, yeah. beat out uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan that year. Um, but, and she's also famous these days for being on The Americans, I believe. She's, she's on one of those prestige shows hmm. um, to do with spies and stuff like that. Hi, this is Corey just jumping in to say that Claire Danes is neither famous for being in Shakespeare in Love or The Americans. It's Romeo and Juliet and Homeland. Thanks. Ashitaka, he finds these two men that are left for dead. Uh, by Eboshi, um, after they've been thrown off the mountain, he comes across them and takes them to kind of the center of the forest, uh, this little sacred grove where we uh, meet the um, the spirit of the forest. Who is? Can you describe what the spirit looks like? Um, large. <laughs> large sorry. Um, it's it's he's, like he's a like, ambiguous kind of. So that's the Nightwalker you're thinking of. So oh. the spirit of the forest is is who who's basically the representation of life in the film. He uh, so at night he walks around as a big old uh, Jello man. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then, but during the day he's like a deer with a monkey face, right? <laughs> a big old red monkey okay. face. Um, Kind of a neat design, and um, so he bandages them up, um, and and through just drinking at this little grove, we mm-hmm. we see that this this grove actually has magical properties of of healing and restoration. That's strange. Suddenly, it doesn't feel heavy at all. My arm, it it doesn't hurt. It's healed. Ah, no, it's still broken. But he, he continues on with these these two men, these injured men, and and makes it to Iron Ta- Town, which um, is is depicted as you know the stereotypical industry town, right? So it's right. But what's unique about it, and I, what I thought was very awesome about it, um, is that the women run the village. Mm-hmm. They run Iron Town. Lady yeah. Eboshi and the women are like the warriors. They yeah, and so and this is some of the themes of the film is that uh, these the women. So so this the scene where where Ashitaka shows up uh, shows a lot of the stresses, the the sources of tension in the film between men and women, mm-hmm. um, but also between uh, so so between the workers and the guards. There's conflict there, but also between men and women, um, and Eboshi. When we we get to know her, she's not all bad because uh, these women that are in the village and basically do all of the industry work and make mm-hmm. the iron, like extract the iron and and actually um, and process it. Um, they are uh, former prostitutes that that she bought the contracts mm-hmm. of, and they work for her now, and they're free. Mm-hmm. Um, and like uh, and also she employs lepers, so. You know, one one big thing about this film is that uh, Eboshi's people use rifles, and it's the lepers who are these outcasts that are actually the ones making these really highly um, engineered uh, pieces of equipment. And so we find out that uh, that the this boar was Naga, and he is a god who is protecting the forest from 
the iron mine, uh, and Eboshi was the one who shot him to drive him off. So he was attacking Iron Town um, because they basically clear cut the forest mm-hmm. to extract the iron sands to then process it. And so um, that's where the source of the conflict of the movie comes from. Right. And on a side note, I was super confused because I couldn't tell where um, Ashitaka, I couldn't tell. He he was kind of going back and forth, and I was like, "Wait, is there what's going on here?" Like, because he was pretty good buddies with um, Lady Eboshi, mm-hmm. but also, uh, yeah, he, he was like bouncing around and, all and these. And different I'll, I'll, co- I'll come back to this later because this does is a yeah, point. It comes but, together. This thing is, uh, and I guess it's 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 good in that he's not one dimensional. It's not you know he he sees all sides. I guess is he he has empathy with. Uh, with San, he has. Uh, he also sees Iboshi, um, sees the good that she's doing as well, and so Ashitaka messes around a bunch in Iron in Iron Town and 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 meets the people and 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 uh, ingratiates himself with the people of Iron Town. But then Princess Mononoke attacks Iron Town, which is ends up being a great kinematic action scene. Mm-hmm. Um, in the resulting scuffle, uh, Ashitaka gets shot. And he takes off with uh, uh, with um, with San, and this leads to one of my my favorite scenes of the film, which is this creepy encounter with the apes. Oh Do you yeah, remember yeah. This? when they're yeah. like, "Yeah, give us the human." Yeah, yeah. yeah. They so want, they, want so they they meet these creepy apes who um, we find out uh, in, in the night they come in um, to these these places that have been clear cut. They try to replant all the trees. They want to eat Ashitaka. To gain his strength, mm-hmm. and uh, and, and they think that 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 way they'll be able to save the forest is by getting his strength. If we eat the human, we will steal his strength, and we will drive the other humans away. Give us the man creature. But uh, San explains. Yeah, that's not how it works. That's you can't do that. <laughs> you Stupid can't do that. It's against apes. the rules. God. <clears throat> On a side note as well, what those little. Those little guys. The little guys, yeah, the, the little... Big heads. Yeah. What are those guys? I, they never really explain. He's a tree spirit. He brings good luck. It's a sign this forest is healthy. They're just there. Yeah, they're just, they're just little guys. Okay. They're just little, I, little I was forest think, dudes. I was like, what? I, I don't understand. Yeah, so, and, and what, what Nick's uh, talking about is, is there's these little... Um, I forget what the name of them are. Akudama. Uh, I would say Koroks, but that's from Zelda because <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Zelda. Uh, they're, they're just little spirit, like little four spirits. Akudama. Okay. I think they represent. Uh, they're actually. Do they say in the film that they actually there's one for each tree or something like that? See, I don't remember that. I don't. He's a tree spirit. He brings good luck. I don't remember it either. He's a tree spirit. But then again, I was writing my notes for the film while I was watching it. So, but yeah, they're they're things. Okay. It's just things. I was just wondering. They're if just they, things. I was. I was like. Yeah. Ashitaka, he's kind of on the verge of, of dying, uh, and the forest spirit is the one who saves him. So, so San takes him to this sacred grove. The forest spirit in his creepy monkey deer body comes in and uh, <laughs> like like drinks his blood or something or some. Anyway, uh, and and what we find out is that the another boar god, uh, Akoto, who's voiced by Keith David, hmm. um, he plans to wage war on Iron Town uh, to save the forest. Eboshi prepares for this battle and sets out to cure, uh, kill the forest spirit with, uh, with Jigo. We find out that Jigo is actually working for the government. So mm-hmm. the, the whole thing is, is that Eboshi plans to kill the forest spirit, behead him, and then give the head to the emperor. And the emperor will get 
apparently immortality from the forest spirit's head. That's what he's looking for is immortality. And in return, he will give Iboshi uh, immunity or protection from Asano, who's that local warlord who controls the samurai. Right. So there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but yeah, Exactly. So, and, so, and it's all going on at the same time, and it it's kind of hard to keep track. Yeah. yeah. So, But the important thing is that Eboshi and Jigo are working together to kill the forest spirit. Yeah. And so, yeah. So according to legend, the forest spirit's head grants immortality. So Ashitaka uh, recovers from his wound, but he, he remains cursed. The, his arm is still cursed. And it's getting worse throughout the film. Yeah. So it's, it's spreading. That's the thing is it's spreading, and it's like throughout the film various times, Ashitaka grabs his arm, and he's like... What's going on with my arm? Look, everyone! This is what hatred looks like. This is what it does when it catches hold of you. It's eating me alive, and very soon now it will kill me. Fear and anger only make it grow faster. In his yell, yell, his yell voice. <laughs> the dialogue, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it again. The dialogue in this film was great, and I was laughing all the time. It was great. Yeah. Um, so he's still cursed, uh, and he comes back to Irontown to find it besieged by samurai. So this Lord Asano is, is attacking Irontown, and he heads out to warn Iboshi. And there's this big battle scene between Iboshi and the boars that are okay. led by Okoto, uh, and the boars just get annihilated. <coughs> Bless you. Uh, and Okoto himself is wounded in the attack. Mm-hmm. So he's the design for this this boar is, is really cool because he's he's this giant white boar who's like super old um, and he's blind. And um, in the attack, he gets uh, corrupted again by uh, he gets shot and gets corrupted by this ball of iron. Mm-hmm. And Jigo's men start to wear the skins of these dead boars, which are really right. creepy. It is super creepy. Yeah. Because then they, they try to fool um, Okoto. Okoto into thinking that his warriors have returned. Yeah, returned from the dead. They've been slaughtered. Yeah, and so they want Okoto to lead them to the forest spirit where they can get and kill him. And I, I can't stress it enough that the imagery of these skins boars is is super creepy. even even as animation it was like yeah mm. it, was, it really really gave me the the heebie-jeebies <clears throat> so okoto is is heading towards the forest spirit um and son's trying to stop him uh but okoto succumbs to his corruption and son gets uh swept up in it as well so so eventually they end up at the uh this forest grove uh moro saves son um, and the forest spirit shows up and ices both Moro and Okoto, kills them both, puts them out of their misery. Uh, and as the forest spirit, uh, night comes down, and as the forest spirit is turning into the night walker, that's when uh, a, a Boshi um, uh, decapitates it. Right. And that turns it also into a kind of a creepy uh, scene where this headless night walker is spreading this, this like it's darkness. looking for its head yeah yeah it's and like anything that touches this darkness is like basically turns barren like the whole landscape is just turning barren yeah so uh, iron town is evacuated uh ashitaka and san pursue jigo and retrieve the head uh and return it to the forest spirit uh and it's too late. The forest spirit dies, but as it as it dies, um, 
its form washes across the landscape and heals it, and and in the process heals Ashitaka's curse. And and this is uh, and and as things start to wrap up, this is where this is where I was like, what the. Um, because Ashitaka, <laughs> you, you know, Ashitaka and San have have had this bond together, and they obviously love each other. Um, and San's like, "Yep, I'm going to live with the wolves." Right. And Ashitaka goes, "Yep, I'm going to rebuild Iron Town." And it's like, "What? Oh, like, okay. wait, <laughs> like, that's that's caused the whole problem in the first place." And it's like, "Didn't you? Were you? Didn't you see this movie?" <laughs> That's exactly what I what I mean when I was laughing yeah. so many times throughout this film. I was laughing, and that was definitely a moment where I was like, "This is hilarious." Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I guess Iron Town's back back on, but and Aboshi it does Aboshi does say that um, when when Aboshi reunites with her people, oh, she had her arm bitten off by a giant wolf. By the way, <laughs> that that was cool. Um, well, also also, were you going to get to the head part or the head part where he gets his head back? I said that already. Oh, I thought you. Mm. I didn't. I don't yeah, you, you got his head back too late. Um, Iboshi does say that uh, she vows to build a better town, and that's that's where it leaves off. Is so. Um, hopefully, this will not happen again. I don't know. Yeah, and and it's it's kind of bizarre to think about how this movie is over twenty years old, and it's yeah. still relevant. Twenty one years old. Yeah. Anyway. Just something to think about. This movie can drink now. Yeah. Happy um, and so, did you like this movie, Nick? I did. Yeah. Overall, I, what, I thought it was great. Would you be interested in seeing uh, more Studio Ghibli films? What was the other one? My the neighbor one. My neighbor Totoro. Yeah, yeah. Let's watch that one. My neighbor Totoro. Okay, we'll put that on the list for a future episode. My neighbor Totoro. Um, that's a great film. <laughs> and would you recommend? Who would you recommend this movie for? I, I think people who um, are interested in conservation or like this idea of humans' relationship with nature and mm-hmm. like urban sprawl and and its effects and mm-hmm. and I think it's it's a very if you take this this film literally you're just gonna laugh mm-hmm. but if you take it more symbolically I think you'll get a lot more out of it. Right. So uh, one thing I I want to do with each of these films is if you can pick. A favorite. What is your favorite thing in this? What could be a scene? Could be a line? Could be yeah. anything? What's your favorite thing in this film? Um, aside from the heads exploding from the from the arrows, yeah. Um, I think just this the symbolism that returning to nature and being in like, you know, this amazing forest grove like mm-hmm. brings healing and restoration. I think that's like very symbolic, and I think that was. You know, this scene where um, he brings the wounded men to this grove Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they heal, Mm -hmm. I think that was probably, it was showing the importance and why, um, you know, why he would take sides with the forest spirit in San because it's like that's what they're protecting and they're scared of losing it. And Mm -hmm. like that scene really kind of drove that home a little bit, I think. Mm Because we need nature for its magical healing properties. Exactly. We need to exploit it. Yeah. 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 I'm all for that. <laughs> yes. Let's. Let's. What about you? Uh, whew, good question. Um, I like giant wolves eating people. That's badass. Um, yeah. I like. What is my favorite part of this film? I think the apes. I think those creepy apes huh. really do it for me. Yeah. 
This is our forest. Yeah, I didn't. I yeah, that, that that stuck with me like since I was in high school. That scene where they want to get they want to eat the guy, get his strength, which is how it works, by the way. You know you can't possess the human strength by eating them. Um, you do get people's strength by eating them, so <laughs> so fingers crossed this summer. <laughs> Are they ever gonna make a uh, a second? I doubt. I don't think any of his movies have had a has had a sequel before. Um, no, he's very old. I think he's he? in his eighties. Uh, so he. This is the thing: is, is Miyazaki has retired multiple times, um, and he, he always can't. comes back. Yeah. Uh, so I think there is his last one is has been released in Japan and, and maybe released here soon. Um, his son, one one of his sons, uh, has re- has taken over Studio Ghibli and has made movies of his own, but they're not as good. Hmm. Apparently, I've never seen any of those, or maybe I have. This is very interesting podcast material. Have I seen this thing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like maybe. It doesn't matter, but yeah. So he is he's very old, uh, and I think he's he's retired now, and. Uh, yeah. Well, that's it. We've come to the end of our uh, inaugural episode, uh, and we hope you've liked it. I'm assuming that everyone who's listening right now is either our friends or family, and we're not reaching a wider audience, but that's fine. If we can just do it for you guys, uh, that'd be great. You can reach us. Well, I mean, one thing is if you want to leave us feedback, uh, you can You can either just reach out to us personally because you probably know us personally. But if you found us uh, elsewhere, if you found this on the, the wider interwebs, you can email us at tnmpod at gmail.com. Uh, I also made a Twitter account, tnmpod. I think that's at tnmpod. Uh, as well, if you want to just email us, let us know how you like this episode. Things, or you if like. you have ideas and, yeah, and if, you want, have ideas. if you if you have a particular or, film in mind oh, yeah. that you would like to, yeah, because hey, here's something I thought: Have you seen Goodfellas? No. Oh, it's going <laughs> on the list. Oh. No, I haven't seen Goodfellas. I've heard about it. Heard you've, about yeah, it. you've definitely heard about it. Um, um, never, wa- I've never seen it though. So I, I think that's a good place to leave off, Nick. Uh, I am officially assigning you for. Uh, our next episode, which who knows, maybe next week, maybe a fortnight, maybe a month, maybe uh, a year. You're gonna, yeah, maybe. Uh, you are gonna watch Goodfellas, the uh, vamp for a bit here. Um, okay, that sounds fine. Um, we also have a list of we have a pool. The 1990 of films. film by Martin Scorsese. Sorry, I had to look up the, the year of the film. Yeah, so you have to watch the 1990 film. Goodfellas, directed by Martin Scorsese. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. See you next time. Thanks Thanks for joining me, Nick. <laughs> it was a little rough, but... It was okay.